sin. He is the reason we're here today. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would be off in the world doing our own thing. We'd be lost. We'd be hopeless. We'd be helpless. We would be without God and without hope in this world. And yet, Lord, because of him and his sacrifice on the cross, we're here today. We're saved. Our names are written in heaven. And we're thankful for the salvation that we have. Please speak to our hearts through the word this morning. May it encourage us as we begin this Christmas season. Help us to always wish people a Merry Christmas. The world wants to call it Happy Holidays, but we say Merry Christmas. Because Christ is all about Christmas. And Christmas is all about Christ. And we thank you for his birth his perfect life and his death on Calvary and his resurrection and ascension and he's seated at the right hand of glory and we pray until he comes that we will serve faithfully. Please guide us now, Lord, by the Holy Spirit and speak to our hearts and hide me behind the cross, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but every Thanksgiving time, I'm always thankful. And not just on Thanksgiving, but every day of the year. We're thankful. And leading up to it, I've been writing some of the devotions in the morning about Thanksgiving. And you really can't exhaust the subject. It's such a blessing. So as we go into the Christmas season, we should go in it with Thanksgiving. As it says in the scriptures, but thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God has given a gift to each and every person, even though that person may not have any presence under the tree. They have the one greatest gift if they have the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And so may the Lord encourage our hearts today and help us to be encouraged. I don't think after hearing this message this morning that anyone will be able to go home discouraged or sad or downcast because of what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. One morning there was a conversation by a, a man named R.C. Chapman, who is a devout Christian, and his friend asked him, how are you doing this morning? And he says, I am burdened this morning, was his reply. But his happy countenance contradicted his words, so the questioner exclaimed in surprise, are you really burdened, Mr. Chapman? Yes, but it's a wonderful burden. It's an overabundance of blessings for which I cannot find enough time, nor do I have enough words to describe my gratitude. Seeing the puzzled look on the face of his friend, Chapman added with a smile, I'm referring to Psalm 68, 19, which says, He fully and daily loads us with blessings. Have you been loaded with blessings this year? Have you felt that God has just given you over and above what you deserve? That's how we should always feel about every blessing and every benefit that the Lord gives to us because we don't deserve any of them. And He's given us an overabundance. He daily loads us with benefits. The title of our message today is Don't Forget your benefits. Right now I'm looking for a job. Many of you already have jobs and when you took your job and your position with your company, the two things that were important there were number one, the salary, 
And people always want to have more money. So they want to have a good salary. But the other part of the compensation, which is equally important and maybe even more important, Barb, what is it? The benefits. The benefits. She knows because she has people, she hires them and brings them on board and needs to tell them about the benefits. And when you sign on the first day, they have you sign all these papers and you're signing on with the company and they let you know what the benefits are. Sometimes nowadays we call them perks. What are the perks? What are the benefits that I get? What will I get out of this besides just the salary? And today we're going to look at some verses that are very familiar to us in the 103rd Psalm, and we're going to read the first five verses of Psalm number 103. Now David wrote this psalm, and he was the great shepherd of Israel, the king and the one who loved the Lord so much. And he was just overflowing with gratitude in this psalm, the way that we should be in our lives today. Let's read it together. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and what? Forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts today. We're going to look at five words that are found in the first five verses, in particular in verses 3 through 5 of this psalm. Number one, we're forgiven. Number two, we're healed. Number three, we're redeemed. Number four, we're crowned. And number five, we're satisfied. As you can see, If you look at those words and those things that we have as Christians, you can't go home sad. You can't go home melancholy or downcast because of all that the Lord has done for us. And we're thankful for it today. I love how it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. But so many times we forget our benefits, don't we? We're a forgetful people. That's why every Sunday we have the breaking of bread. The Lord we knew we needed reminders, so he puts the, the symbol of the bread to remind us of his body and the symbol of the cup to remind us of his blood. Simple symbols, but powerful. And so we need to be reminded all the time to be thankful and to count our blessings and to make sure we don't forget his benefits. So let's look at the first one this morning, forgiven. It's one of the greatest benefits that we as Christians have is we are forgiven. And we're forgiven of all our iniquities, it says. It's beautiful. That little word all tells the whole story. When God forgave my sins, he forgave them all. Not 50% of them. Not 99.1% of our sins. Like these hand sanitizers, oh, they're great, but you know, it has a little disclaimer here about 99.99%. It kills 99.99% 
of all the germs. But what about that little tiny part that it doesn't cover? That's the thing. When Jesus died, his blood covered all our sins, every one of them. And God had a big blackboard and all our sins were there and he erased it. He removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. He blotted them out like a dark cloud. He says, your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. And it's such a blessing. It's the first blessing that David thinks about. And I'm wondering when he wrote this psalm, was he thinking about that sin he had committed there with Bathsheba? And would he think about the murder? And would he think about the adultery and those kinds of things? And I'm sure that David was thankful because when he wrote this, he was forgiven and God wiped the slate clean. David said in Psalm 32 in verses 1 and 2, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. The Lord is so good. You know, in the Old Testament, you had to have a lot of animals because you had to make those animal sacrifices. The lambs, the goats, the bulls, they had to be offered as a sacrifice. And what they did was they would bring the the animal to the priest, the priest would offer it for your sins, and that sin would be covered over. It'd be covered, but it wouldn't be fully forgiven. It was pointing toward the cross where Jesus, as the Lamb of God, would come and he would die once for our sins, to put away our sins forever. Never did that sacrifice have to be repeated again. Jesus died, he rose again, never to suffer again. Yes, in the Old Testament, they offered many animal sacrifices, but Jesus is the one who is the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God. Back in 1988, there was a a famous lady at that time, her name was Margarita uh, Lasky, and she was a well-known secular humanist and a novelist. And she was on TV and they were interviewing her, and in a very moment of candor there, she said this, What I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. How sad, how sad would that be to come to the end of your life and you're on your deathbed and you say, I have nobody to forgive me. Only God can forgive sins. Only he could make that sacrifice for us. So that when we stand before him, we don't stand before him in our, the filthy rags of our own righteousness but we'll stand before him in the white robes of righteousness that he gives us, which is Christ's righteousness, because he has forgiven us of our sins. On Wednesday nights when we sing with the worship team, sometimes we sing this song, and I love it a lot. It says, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. And I think as you hear that, you can think of the tune, and it's a beautiful tune as well. The question is this morning, is there anyone in this audience who has not received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? You don't know that your sins are forgiven. You don't know that you have that peace and that something to look forward to in heaven with the Lord. 
can be very fearful when you try to think about standing before the Lord as an unsaved person and the judgment that will come because of sin. But praise be to God, the first blessing this morning, the first benefit that we have is that we have been forgiven. Nowadays, people don't know. They're not sure, but we are sure. The Bible says that. Paul says, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. That's the first thing this morning, the first benefit of being a Christian, and there are so many. The first benefit is being forgiven. Secondly, is being healed. David said, who heals all your diseases. Now, before I get into this one, we have to keep in mind that when he says that, we know that, not every, that God does not heal every single person. If he did, if he healed everyone, then we wouldn't need hospitals, we wouldn't need doctors, we wouldn't need nurses, we wouldn't need all the support staff and, and things of that nature, and we wouldn't have any more death, physical death. So what he's talking about here is in a spiritual sense, he heals the disease of, the, of our sin, and God has the power to heal every disease. There's no incurable disease with the Lord. If the doctor comes in to you and says, I'm sorry, Dean, but I have some news to tell you. You have an incurable disease, and you may have as much as six weeks to live. That would hit you hard. That would hit me hard. It would, because as human beings, we want to live. We want to go on living. But for those who know the Lord, we know that we're going to be with Him forever. But that would still be tough news to take. But God still has the power. He's still in the business of doing miracles, and He can do it. If God chooses to heal, He can heal where medical science fails. My great-uncle Irvin used to always pray for that. He said, Lord, please heal him where medical science has failed. And we're thankful for that. You know, it says in James chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15, it says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So that's the scriptural policy. If someone has a serious illness, and we've seen it practiced in our church over the years where the elders have gone and have anointed them and with oil and prayed over them, and it's still then in God's hands whether he's going to heal or not. And it's not up to us to be judges and to say, well, Ward, why did you heal this person, but you didn't heal this person? It's not us to up, up to us to question God. But we know that he has the power of healing and we're thankful for what he has done in our lives, healing us from all our diseases. Bill McDonald commented, first of all, genuine healing is from God. If you have been sick and then recovered, you can thank God for your recovery because he is the source of all healing. One of the names of God in the Old Testament is Jehovah Rophi, which means the Lord is your healer. Every instance of true healing comes from him. Now you see sometimes, I, I'd like to call maybe TV preachers if you want to be real nice. If you don't want to be too nice to them, you can call them charlatans. 
they, they come up with these things where it's not real healing. They, they plan it ahead of time, and they have the people come, and they're in wheelchairs and on crutches. Oh, and they throw the crutches away, or they throw the wheelchairs away, and they're healed, and it's, it's, it's theatrics. It's not true. But when God heals you, you know you've been healed. And he heals you forever. And what a blessing it is. But we're thankful that we can't put any limits on the Lord. The Lord doesn't have any limits. He can do all things. And so that's the second blessing, a second benefit here in this passage. First of all, we're forgiven. Secondly, we're healed. And the third one is we're redeemed. I love the doctrine of redemption. The word redeem means to buy back. And when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, he purchased us. He purchased a people for, for God. And we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I love that song that says, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, his child and forever. I am. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 is a familiar passage to us, and it says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. 1 Peter, uh, Peter 1, 18 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things or perishable things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without spot and without blemish. It's beautiful to know that our sins are forgiven and we have been redeemed by the lamb. There's a story of a priest in the Philippines. Some of the folks here in their church, we have quite a few that are from the Philippines. He was a beloved priest. And there was a lady in his congregation that... Uh, she used to say, she used to see visions of Jesus. She says, I, I talk to Jesus, and Jesus talks to me. And so this priest had been very troubled because he had committed a sin when he was in seminary, and he had repented, and he believed God had forgiven him, but he didn't have the peace, and he carried that secret sin all around with him like a ball and chain all his life. So he said to this lady, he said, okay, next time you speak with Christ, I want you to ask him what the sin was that your priest committed when he, while he was in seminary. Okay, so you're talking to him, so just next time ask him what it was. So the woman agreed. A few days later, the priest said, well, did Christ visit you in your dreams? She said, yes. And did you ask him what sin I committed in seminary? Yes. Well, what did he say? He said, I don't remember. Praise God, when he forgives, he forgets. You know, that's the thing about it. Sometimes when we forgive people, we kind of have it in our minds. That person hurt me. That person wronged me. That person said terrible things or did terrible things and says, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. That's why they say, to err is human, but to forgive is divine. And because God has forgiven us, we can forgive others. And when he says, I don't remember it, I don't remember it. But Lord, I did a terrible thing. I don't remember it. Lord, I, I said a, a horrible word. I don't remember it. But Lord, I had bad thoughts, bad thoughts, bad motives. 
I don't remember it. Your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. So we're forgiven. We're healed. We're redeemed. And now it comes to our fourth one, which is crowned. And I love this. If you've ever watched on television, they show sometimes the crown jewels or they show these crowns that the kings and queens wear or have worn in the past. They're beautiful. Well, we as Christians have crowns that are even greater than any earthly king or queen or person like that. Because here David writes it, he says, he crowns you with loving kindness and mercies. I love that. He loves us so much that he shows us favor. He shows us his grace, his mercy, and his love every day of his life. You know, it was amazing. The Lord confirmed this morning at the breaking of bread. All, if you notice, all of our songs and all of our worship was directed to the Lord this morning at the breaking of bread and how thankful we should be. It's like it ties together with the message, it ties together with thanksgiving, and it ties together with what we're going to celebrate for Christmas as well. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 gives us how God has crowned us, how He has blessed us, what He's given to us. He says, but you are a royal... He said, excuse me, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light who once were not a people, but now you are the people of God, you, who had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. I appreciate what Adam shared with us today and other brothers as well. We had no hope. We had no hope at all. All hope was gone. And yet Christ came, and he saved us, and he has crowned us with his favor you know, the Bible reminds us in Lamentations chapter 3 and verses 22 and 23, that very familiar portion that says, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. We deserve to be consumed. We deserve to suffer for our sins in hell forever. But he says, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's been faithful to us this year. He's blessed us. He's given us so many benefits. We should be thankful. And so there should be no question that on the 31st of, of December, when Adel says, who would like to share something significant the Lord has done for you in your life this year, there should be a line. There should be, oh, excuse me, brother, you go ahead. Sister, you go ahead. We shouldn't have to say, well, what, what can I say? What can I say? When we've been forgiven and healed and redeemed and crowned and as we're going to see satisfied, we should have a story to tell. We should have a testimony. We should be happy. We should be thankful. And we should share with others. When I think of how the Lord has crowned us, I think of the story of the prodigal son. Remember how he was in sin. He, he wanted the inheritance from his father. His father says, okay, here's your inheritance. He left. He went to the far country, spent it, all his money in sinful behavior, immoral living, had nothing, no hope, no money, was working on a pig farm. And for a Jewish person, 
That was the lowest and worst place you could be, working on this pig farm. And he was so hungry, and he wanted to eat the food that the pigs were eating. And he says, I'm going to go back to my father. He says, there's people in my father's household, the servants. They're better off than I am. I'm going to go back. I'm going to repent. I'm going to tell them, Father, I've sinned in your sight. I'm not worthy anymore to be called your son. And I'm going to go back. And so he went back, and that's why it's called the parable or the story of the prodigal son. But as he comes back, his father was waiting for him. His father had been waiting for him. His father had been praying for his return. His father didn't go after him in the far country. He waited for him to come back. And every sinner has to come back to God. God will reach out his hand, but you have to take it. I have to take it. And so when the prodigal son came home, the father said to his servants, bring the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here, and kill it, and let us make merry. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to make merry. You see, when God crowns us with all these blessings, It's a royalty. It really is. He's made us his royal children. When we get to heaven, it says that we're going to wear a robe, which is the robe of righteousness, and we're going to wear a crown because we're going to be crowned with all the blessings that the Lord has given us. And you know there are several crowns in Scripture, and you can study them. I know the women have studied them under Sylvia's teaching, and we've had it many times in other places as well. There's the crown of rejoicing. There's the crown of righteousness. There's the crown of glory. And there's the crown of life. And that's in addition to the crowns that we will win from the Lord. He will reward us with for faithful service to Him. Everything we do for the Lord, if we do it with a good motive and we do it in His name and for His glory, He will reward it. Now this is the wonderful thing. God forgets about our sins, right? But he never forgets anything you do for him. Any little thing you do for him. Jesus even said, if you give a cup of cold water in the name of the disciple, you will not lose your reward. The littlest thing that we do for the Lord, he will reward it. I can imagine when we get to heaven and he starts giving out those rewards and crowns and we're going to say, Lord, I don't even remember doing that. Jesus will reach out in his love and his smile on his face and hug us and he says, but I remember. I didn't forget it. I never forgot anything you did for me. Your faithfulness. How you got up early and went to church. How you served the Lord. How you stayed late and how you helped out. And whether you're a preacher or a Sunday school teacher or you help vacuum the carpets or whatever you do, the Lord will reward you abundantly. He'll never forget. And we should never forget Him as well, and we should be thankful. Yes, it's a beautiful thing. Bill McDonald said, this crown is a wonderful diadem for those who were once loveless and guilty. We are now loved with an everlasting love and showered day by day by His mercy. I love that verse, and it's not in the text and in the screen, but it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
Someone likened those two things like two little puppies that follow you around, goodness and mercy, following right behind you all the days of your life. And that's a blessing. So we've seen so far, and we have one more to go, we're forgiven, we're healed, we're redeemed, we're crowned, and now we're satisfied. It's such a blessing. David writes here, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The only one who can truly satisfy the heart of man is the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else, nothing else will satisfy. The world is like drinking salty water. It's not going to satisfy your thirst. It's only going to make you more thirsty. But when Jesus satisfies you, he satisfies your thirst forever. Just like he said to the woman at the well, he who drinks of this water shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to everlasting life. You know, coming off of Thanksgiving and we had that delicious meal we had and everything, and he says, who satisfies your mouth with good things. Can you imagine inviting somebody over to your house and serving food that tastes terrible? Serving, serving food that is stale and moldy and things like that. You say you'd never invite somebody over to your house to give them something like this. Well, if we would give the best food that we have to our guests and our family and our friends, how much more does the Lord do to us? He satisfies us with his presence, with his power, with all the blessings that he gives us. And I love that verse in Psalm 84.11. We're familiar with it. Many of us are familiar. It says in Psalm 84.11, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. And I love this. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The Lord is in the business of giving good things to us. He's called the good shepherd, and he gives us good things. He's called the great shepherd, and he does great things for us. And he's called the chief shepherd. And when we come to him, he blesses us tremendously. Christ is our enough. And someone once said, Christ is enough to satisfy the hearts of all who confide in him and who leave everything in his hand. Such need shall never be cast down by seeming misfortunes. There's a story told of the uh, hymn writer Clara T. Williams who wrote uh, this beautiful song. And the, this song is in, a, in the hymn book. And it goes like this. All my life long I had panted for a drink from some cool spring that I had hoped would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within, feeding on the husks around me till my strength was almost gone, longed my soul for something better, only still to hunger on. Well of water, ever springing, bread of life so rich and free, untold wealth that never faileth, my Redeemer is to me. And the chorus says, Hallelujah, I have found him. Hallelujah, what a friend, whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longing. Through his blood, I now am saved. You know, when Jesus satisfies you, you don't need anything else. You really don't. They always say, what, are you gonna, what do you want for Christmas? You say to somebody, right? 
oh, I don't really need anything. I have everything I need. Well, the Christian is really the only one who can say, I have everything I need. Because God has saved us. He's blessed us. He's given us everything. We really don't need anything else. Everything else is a fringe benefit. Everything else is a perk. Everything else is, a, is on top of what he's already given us when he's given us salvation. And I'm going to conclude with the verse from Psalm 116 and verses 12 and 13. I love this portion, also from the Psalms. He says, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? That's a question. And then he answers it. I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. The Lord has richly blessed us. We can't go home sad. We can't go home discouraged because he's forgiven us. He's healed us. He's redeemed us. He's crowned us and he's satisfied us. These are the blessings that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew Henry, the great Bible commentator, wrote this. He says, David here is communing with his own heart and he is no fool that thus talks to himself. How he stirs up himself to the duty of praise. It is the Lord that is to be blessed. It is the soul that is to be employed in the blessing of God. And that is all that is within us. That work requires the inward man, the whole man, everything. So let's remember today not to forget our benefits. We need to remember them. We need to count them. Last week, uh, Gloria was playing on the piano. We didn't sing it in the congregation but it was, because we had the worship team, but it was count your blessings. And it says, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. And I always think it's good to write them down because these benefits, these blessings, it's good to write them down. Go home, take out a piece of paper, and start writing. It might take you a while. Your hand's going to get cramped. You're going to lose uh, out on time. You're going to miss the end of the 49er game or whatever, you know, the Raiders or whatever. But write down the list of all your blessings, the spiritual blessings, the physical ones, the financial ones, everything, and you will find that God has done great things. Andre Crouch in his uh, song, he wrote it on this psalm, and he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He has done great things. He has done great things. He has done great things. Bless his holy name. And if he's done great things for you today, say thank you to the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we just pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Lord, they don't, they're not forgiven. They're not healed. They're not redeemed. They're not crowned. They're not satisfied. They don't have salvation and eternal life. Lord, we pray that no one will leave this place today as a lost sinner, but they will leave only as a sinner saved by grace. Lord, we're so thankful that you died for us, Lord Jesus, on the cross and paid the price of our sins so that we can enjoy these wonderful benefits that you have given to us. Lord, we are forgiven. We are healed. 
We are redeemed. We are crowned and we are satisfied. And so, Lord, we are blessed and we are thankful. Please dismiss us with your blessing and take us home. Help us to have a good week and help us to come back next Sunday. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.